0: Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. And joining me today is a guest, Jordana Confino. And Jordana is a certified professional coach, Positive lawyering professor and founder of JC Coaching and Consulting, a company devoted to advancing the well-being of the legal profession through coaching and partnering with organizations to build positive workplace cultures where all members feel valued, stimulated, and supported. Jordana, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jay. I am delighted to be with you today.
0: Yeah, thank you for for uh, making a little bit of time to talk to me and and our audience. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you because. I think, you know, these are areas, uh, your areas of expertise are ones that, you know, I think we've touched upon on the podcast, but never really done a deep dive into. So um, I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, But before we get into those issues more deeply, uh, maybe you can just start by giving us uh, some additional bits of your background. In particular, I know, you know, you had experience Uh, in various clerkships and uh also in big law uh, before transitioning into more of an academic setting so just kind of take us back and talk a little bit about you know how you went from where you were to where you are now
1: yeah absolutely and it's an interesting story so i went to law school for all of the wrong reasons admittedly i had been a psychology major in college that was what really fascinated me and excited me but for whatever reason it didn't feel shiny enough, I suppose, mm-hmm. when I was graduating from Yale College to just go into psychology or teaching, which were, were the things that really pulled me. And so I do, did what a lot of students do around that time when they don't know what they wanna do, if they're good test takers and type A um, and methodical thinkers, and I went to law school. And I one thing that I was really good at by that point was achieving. And so I had spent a long time just strapped tightly on the overachievers treadmill. And so that was what I went into law school doing, kind of guns blazing. And basically I decided I wanted to become a federal prosecutor. So I looked around and I was like, what are all the things that I need to do in order to be successful? And I set myself about doing them. And so basically that meant spending my summer at the U.S. attorney's office 1L summer, looking around, seeing the what firms they all came from lining up an offer for my second summer at one of those big firms lining up the clerkships and just kind of trying to do all of the things and as i was doing that i was just increasingly recognizing how wrong it all felt in terms of my level of actual engagement and energy and fulfillment but also i was looking around at a lot of the people that i saw in the law firm when I was there and also in law school and just out in the profession and was noticing that a lot of other people were not nearly as happy or motivated or engaged as one would think that they should be having accomplished all of these really impressive things. And honestly, I didn't, that bothered me, but I didn't really think anything of it. And i just kept pushing forward. Um, and then over time it started to take more and more of a toll on me and i eventually just had this sort of if not now when moment because it just felt like it was so wrong and i didn't see any way of that changing and so i actually discovered positive psychology which is what i now teach and coach on Googling how to be happy when I was really just had hit a point of burnout um, in my in my own experience. And I ended up discovering this full course on positive psychology, which is the science of human flourishing. And I really, really, really wanted to know how how to be happy and was not learning it around me. So I, I enrolled in this course and it just completely blew my mind and it made me realize that my whole formula for success and how to go about achieving it, sustaining it was completely backwards. And I also realized that the vast majority of people in the legal profession that I had encountered during this time were just as ignorant in this respect as I had been. And so I really just decided that other lawyers and law students need to know this stuff so that they can not only not burn out, but actually build sustainable satisfying engaging careers within the profession so that was really the initial inspiration behind my pivot towards lawyer well-being Um, and so initially i started on the law school front so working in student services at columbia first and then i transferred over to fordham law to build our office of professionalism Served as the assistant dean of professionalism there, and also was able to develop and teach my course on positive lawyering, which is positive psychology for lawyers and teaching that was hands down the most, the most rewarding and validating thing I've done professionally but also it made me realize how badly this stuff is needed out in the profession itself which is what inspired me then to pivot towards the coaching and consulting. So now I'm still teaching my course for law students, but also supporting lawyers and law firms out there in the profession with these tools and strategies to really uh, try to bring about a really comprehensive culture change towards greater satisfaction, but also sustainable success within the profession, which I think is still desperately needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I I think it's also something uh, that you're teaching aside is probably pretty rare in law schools as well. I mean, I imagine that most schools, at least certainly when I went to law school, that's not a good judge because that was so long ago, but um, I don't think even today it is because it's oftentimes misunderstood to begin with. I mean, I know there are some people out there. I think uh, there's a, there's a study, I think it's Lawrence. Krieger, Krieger from Florida State. Who? Does yeah, La- La-
1: Larry, Larry Krieger. Okay. He's yes. he's amazing. Um, but yeah, these so when I started teaching positive lawyering four years ago, there were, you know, count them on one hand. The number of the number of classes that mm-hmm. were in that were focusing on this increasingly now since then, you're starting to see more of them pop up and actually a great thing that happened in the past year and a half was that the ABA actually revised its um, requirements, credentialing requirements for law school. So it's now requiring education on professional identity formation. And it includes in its explanation of what professional identity formation is, well-being practices and that was something that i'm a member of the groups that lobbied really hard for that so now all of these law schools are like hmm, how do we how do we check this box and they're starting to think about these things but even now it's still it's still very rare for a full credit-bearing course devoted to these topics and that that was honestly one of the reasons that i was so excited to join fordham because they when they were hiring me to create this office of professionalism they were saying, we don't just want a some one-off programs that are available. We really want to embed these essential lessons into the full curriculum, both on the co-curricular side and the academic programming side, and really showing them the same legitimacy that you show other doctrinal courses. Because as you know, these types of, quote, soft skill competencies that are separate from the, the doctrinal and technical skills that are taught in law school are just as much, if not more important than all of the other stuff in terms of determining who's going to really excel within within their careers.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm interested in your perspective on this, because I think this is oftentimes the terms are conflated and, and perhaps it's just semantics in some respects, but I think there's a meaningful difference here. Um, I think some people can make the mistake of assuming that, you know, with a career, especially one as demanding as like the practice of law is for, for most of us, um, that you know, it, it's perhaps unrealistic to think that you know you're gonna have day-to-day or moment-to-moment happiness in your career, right? Because there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of pressure involved, hard work, all those things that don't necessarily bring most, you know, well-adjusted people, you know, that that feeling of true happiness, um, maybe that euphoric feeling. But, you know, the way I've traditionally thought about it and and aimed towards, once I've kind of Gained an understanding of like you know all right this is this is what it is like to be in the workforce this is what it's like to be in high pressure situations it's more of a you know somewhat longer term contentment and and you know satisfaction as opposed to happiness per se like do you, do you draw a distinction between those things and I, what do you think about that um, dichotomy.
1: Yes, absolutely. So well-being I think is a very different thing than happiness and even within positive psychology there's the whole focus isn't on just making people feel happy and joy um at all times. There's actually multiple dimensions of well-being that are viewed as being really fundamental and positive emotions, which even itself is broader than just happiness. is just one of them, but other things like relationships Mm -hmm. and in feelings of engagement, feelings of meaning. And I think that's what you're referring Mm -hmm. to with, when you talk about that contentment, those deeper feelings are equally important for overall well-being. And so it's not just about whether you're feeling glee um, or Mm -hmm. euphoria. I think euphoria just goes into a different category altogether (laughs) on on a constant basis. But what I think it but I agree with you and I think that I would take it even broader that a lot of lawyers and law students and just high achievers in general assume that work has to be hard and that creating space Even for these feelings of contentment, engagement, meaning connection, all of those things on a regular basis will derail them and prevent them from getting to the end goal of capital S success, at which point they will then feel content and happy and engaged and connected. And that is just a huge myth um that does two things so one it keeps them on the hamster wheel of endless striving and never actually feeling any of those things because you're constantly setting your sights on a goal that you in an external goal that you tell yourself will give you the internal feelings that you crave but the second we get to it we recalibrate and set that goal post just a little bit further so we never actually get there but also what the science of positive psychology shows, and this is the hook that I use because this is the hook I would have needed in law school when I didn't care about being happy or healthy. I just wanted to be successful, is that actually these pillars of well being, these foundational elements, they fuel our performance, they fuel our cognitive functioning, they fuel our resilience in our ability to perform at our highest capacity both over the long term in terms of preventing burnout, but also on a minute-by-minute minute immediate basis in terms of our capacity for creativity, which is really important for lawyers, even though they think they don't need it at all, mm-hmm. and problems, so- innovative problem-solving and courage and the ability to connect, all of those things are actually, the neuroscience shows increased when we feel these different types of positive emotions. It's this thing called the broaden and build theory that when we experience positive emotions, it literally activates the learning centers centers of our brain and makes them more flexible. So we actually can perform better when we let these things into our lives and we create space for them. So that kind of myth that I need to torture myself in order to get the best out of myself is actually (laughs) complete nonsense and leads people astray in many, many different ways.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, agreed. And, and I think that, that, that plays out in many different ways. I mean, you think about just being how you, how you, what lower level you function at when you're exhausted, for example, certainly stressed. And and those two things often go hand in hand, but, but you're right. You know, the ability to be creative um, in terms of, Identifying connections between ideas or um, connecting different dots out in the world, and and just thinking creatively about problem solving is is definitely empowered by well being as opposed to you know that grinded out um, culture that exists in many law firms. Um, So another question I have, and I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, is uh, I know that you know a big part of well being in in the context of one's work is is finding purpose in, in one's work. I, I think you'd agree with that. Um, yes, but I know, absolutely. There, yeah, there are, um, there's also oftentimes, uh, the, the concept of passion is conflated with purpose as if kind of the, the same thing. Um, and, and I think that can be a trap as well, you know, just like thinking I should be feeling happy all the time. Like the feeling of, I should be feeling passionate all the time in the way that, oftentimes, like, I can't wait to jump out of bed in the morning and get back to my laptop and start jumping into my inbox and and responding to, you know, the zillion messages. I mean, that's just unrealistic, too, I think, for most people. So are, are there some ways that you think about helping people to cultivate purpose in one's work when sometimes, I mean, for some people, you know, They are they. They do seem to be really passionate about the practice of law, but but not everyone. And I think that can be a trap because sometimes people think they should be, and without that passion, that drive, that fire in the belly, they feel like maybe this isn't for me. But I think you can find a more you know deeper purpose that's a little bit distinct from passion, and still be motivated and have a sustainable career as a result.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so it's I'm just gonna I'm gonna put a pin in passion because there's actually it's fascinating. I there's two forms of passion, harmonious Mm -hmm. passion and obsessive passion. And interestingly, I think a lot of overachieving, high achieving lawyers Mm -hmm. probably fall into the obsessive passion category with their work that you see that Mm -hmm. a lot with workaholism. Um, And there's a whole body of research on obsessive versus harmonious passion and why harmonious passion where you can detach from it um, and keep it in harmony with other aspects of your life is actually, you perform much better in the long term than with obsessive passion. So we'll put a pin in that for a minute Mm -hmm. because I want to answer your other question. Um, Purpose. Yeah. So purpose has been coined like the superstar motivator um, for among behavioral scientists because it when you have a sense of meaning and purpose in your work it just it fuels motivation it fuels engagement it fuels performance all of those things and so when I tell my students and clients this often they say well so you're telling me to quit my job and no that is absolutely not not the point and so some people will decide to pursue passion projects as their job. But for most people, that's not practical or it's not desirable for a lot of different reasons. And there are so yeah. many, there are really powerful strategies that you can do to enhance your sense of meaning and purpose in your work, regardless of what it is. And so the first thing that's really important is identifying what your core values are. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is actually, um of personal significance for me because it was a very basic values discovery exercise that i did in my therapist's office during my 2l summer while i was working at the big law firm and just needed to figure out something to get my anxiety and dread for the future in check and what what she had me do was just look at a basic list of values and identify what my top five were. And it was a long list of values. And then think about how what I was doing with my time and my energy was furthering them or not. And so I realized at that point that I was in no way furthering my values and actually everything I was doing was contrary to them. But the biggest realization for me at that point was I had never once stopped to actually think about what my values were. It had never even occurred to me to ask that question. And I had to really, really think about it and values in terms of what are the things that are intrinsically most important to me not paying attention to any of the shoulds or what other people think is important or wanting to impress people. And so getting clear on those, which I think a lot of people don't necessarily have sight on, is the the first step. Once you do that, then you want to think about how can I connect what I'm currently doing in my work to relate to those values. So separately, you might think just if you want to just enhance your overall well-being, how can I, to what extent am I aligned with those values? How can I increase my alignment in general, both inside and outside of work? But focusing specifically on your question, how do I have more meaning in my work? How can I relate those things to my values? And so often it's just, you can do this by actually just construing the way that you look at the purpose or the goals or the effects of your job. And so it's something called cognitive job crafting to do this. And an example that has nothing to do with lawyers, but I think it's actually really illustrative is so this is I have no clue. uh, Disclaimer if this story is true, but it's a good story. So back in the 1960s, the height of the space race, JFK is touring NASA and he bumps into a janitor and he says, well, hi there, I'm I'm Jack Kennedy. What do you do? And the janitor looks at him and he says, well, hello, President Kennedy. I'm working to put a man on the moon Hmm. and not I'm mopping the floors, not I'm cleaning the bathrooms. I'm working to put a man on the moon. I am an essential part of this operation. Without me, this whole thing couldn't function. And so that purpose that he construed in his work in terms of what what the meaning of that work was is palpable. And you can bet that he had a lot more motivation going into his work every day. And so similarly, you see this, there's been studies done with healthcare workers or janitorial staff in hospitals, that the ones who view themselves as being a part of the essential team of healers, they have way greater satisfaction, but also in better health and longevity, but also better um, engagement in their work and the, the heightened sense of meaning and well-being. And so bringing this into the lawyer context, Any way that you can connect to the purpose of your clients or your firm is a way to do this, but also beyond that, even what is the work doing for you in terms of helping you cultivate your skills or meets moving you towards some other professional goals. If family or love is a top value for you, really just like consciously tapping into how doing this work helps you provide for your family or do those things and there's different ways of construing what you are doing to connect those dots and that's not going to turn it into your passion project and so don't don't get me wrong but if you're able to do that and instead of just saying, you know, this is a meaningless thing, I'm pushing paper, connecting to what are the values of why you are doing it even if they're you know farther removed and you have to do this kind of thinking will help you increase your motivation and your well-being and honestly if you can't connect your work in any way to any of your core values then i would consider mm-hmm. pivoting and finding something where you can because it is really 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 important for well-being, but also for your performance. And I think you will be so much more successful and effective if you can find a role where you can connect it, at least in some way.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I think that I love that story, uh, the JFK story, and whether it's apocryphal or not, it's a good one, like you said. And and it, yeah, it's easily translatable as you think about you know practice of law. So I think that's a good simple way to describe what it means to have purpose um, in in one's profession. What is the? I'm I'm curious. What's what's the role of, or not the role necessarily, but I w- I'm curious as whether you have any tips on this difficult issue of detachment. That's something I really struggled with as a young lawyer. And I think it impacted my well-being. I just brought my home, my work home with me. And it was like a 24 seven thing. I just couldn't seem to let go of it. Um, Is that, you know, are, are are people just sort of born that way and there's nothing they can do about it? Or do you have any thoughts on like what, you know, what role detachment plays and like, how do you, how do you separate um, at least to some extent yourself from the day-to-day work?
1: Yeah, I think it's really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is really essential because rest Mm -hmm. is essential. And I don't mean rest, just in the sense of sleep, though sleep Mm -hmm. is essential, but actually giving your mind a, the ability to restore and replenish itself. And also cutting off that stream of cortisol, because if that's constantly running, it's really bad for your brain and body and not immediately necessarily, but over time that will take a real toll. And so what I, and think there's a few different things. So one, and that detachment is, or the inability to detach is very much linked with um, anxiety and like Mm -hmm. the, that constant thought loop of, planning or worrying and because mm-hmm. our brains ha- believe that when we are worrying or chronically planning so planning not in a constructive way but planning in a just re- going through your mm-hmm. mental to-do list over and over again your brain our brains think that they are doing something productive and so it gives us this teeny little dopamine boost or it slightly takes the edge off of the anxiety very 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 slightly in the moment but what it does over the long term is that it ratchets up that anxiety because one it's not doing anything to actually solve the problem and it's preventing us from actually doing anything positive or restoring ourselves which then compounds over time and so the important thing is to actually what we need to do when there's um, a psychiatrist, Jud Brewer, who has this great unwinding anxiety book and app um, that basically reprogram our brains to teach our brain the reward value of responding to our anxiety in a different way. And so a first step for this is mindfulness, because we have to be able to catch ourselves mm-hmm. in those in that state of not being able to detach and our brains running in those circles and observe it for what it is which is oh my anxious brain is doing this thing because it thinks it's helpful but really i know it's not and then kind of pushing yourself to do something that has been shown to kind of re-trigger the spiral so something that can create some sort of positive emotion so What I would say is I think it's really hard for people to be like, oh, just meditate, just relax, because when your mind is going crazy with these anxious thoughts, that's really, really hard. But if you can force yourself to connect in a meaningful way and feel that positive validation um, that comes from that and that upwelling of positive emotions that comes from that, or if you can force yourself to go outside for a walk and actually feel The effects of that or whatever it is that actually just makes you feel good and then let yourself consciously focus on how you feel during and afterwards when you break that cycle. As hard as it is to initiate the breaking of that cycle and then download the reward value in your brain of like, oh, I forced myself to do something that I didn't want to do but actually felt good and then I was I was more clear-headed the next day. Also force yourself to download the negative reinforcement of how bad you feel when you just keep doing the same cycle over and over because our brains kind of zip through it and don't pay attention so i think internalizing those things is really really important um and that behavioral activation of just like doing a positive thing and then paying attention and noting that it actually makes you feel good um is really, really powerful. Another thing that I think, and this is something that I just think is so counterintuitive to most lawyers, but it's so important is paying attention to that, how you're talking to yourself in your head, because most lawyers and high achieving professionals more broadly, we believe that self-criticism is the way to motivate ourselves to do better and drive results. And there is so much science showing that that's not true at all. As much as we think it is, and I know we all think it is because I did for the longest time, that treating ourselves with self-compassion and kindness, actually, it results in such better performance in literally every domain of life from athletics to professional performance to academics. And so that involves not, you know, looking at our anxious thoughts and being like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so anxious? Or why are you tired? You should be working harder. Or why did you mess that thing up? Like you're clearly not good at this. Like you're, you're gonna fail. Um, And actually just saying like, yeah, it's really, of course you're anxious. Of course you're exhausted. There's so much going on, but like, you can do this and actually not beating yourself up and giving yourself the space to kind of take a step back and say, this is hard and learning curves are normal and you can figure this out, but what what can you do to actually help yourself move forward in this moment as opposed to What's wrong with you? You're not good enough. This isn't going to be enough because it's getting I feel like half of the exhaustion and the panic actually stems from. Not just like the objective consequences of what happens, but how much we beat ourselves up if things don't go exactly as we want on the very first try. And that is just is just adds so much insult to any injury that we may actually be experiencing in the real world.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that and I think that was uh, just a really well-said explanation of things that afflict many lawyers and and some great concrete tips for for um dealing with them. Um well Jordana let's uh turn to wrap this up and I before we do though I want you to you had an exciting announcement you made on on LinkedIn this week that you're in the midst of a transition um Away from uh, Fordham, in in a sense, in terms of your academic uh, role there and, and as a dean, assistant dean, and into uh, sort of full time coaching and, and training. So um, maybe just uh, give a quick preview of what you're focused on and and who you're helping in that in that realm, and and then we'll wrap things up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the focus of that is twofold. So in my coaching role, I'm focused on helping lawyers achieve actual satisfaction and sustainable success in their lives and work and really i am focused on the lawyer who reminds me a lot of my former self the one who has been spending their whole career doing all of the shoulds probably really high achieving and yet they're not nearly as engaged or as energized as they feel like they could or should be and helping them understand that actually there's a way of doing Exactly what it is that they are doing right now or potentially something different, but regardless in a way that actually fuels them with a sense of engagement and purpose and connection without taking away their edge and actually recognizing that it'll make them even more effective. And so that's what I do in my coaching. And then on the consulting front, it's partnering with organizations to help them understand how they can actually build more I will say positive workplace cultures that help their attorneys and their other employees feel valued, stimulated and supported, which behavioral science shows are the key requirements for peak motivation and performance, and so I don't view it as an either or. Well being or success, the science shows that this stuff actually will increase organizations bottom line by not only helping them retain top talent, but actually getting the best out of them, too, and so that's that's where the consulting work comes in, and honestly, it grew out of my positive lawyering course my students started graduating and calling me and saying, Jordana, I would not be surviving in my big law job if I didn't take your course, but one Lawyers need more support. And two, you need to start talking to our employers because this stuff is it's this stuff isn't out there. And, you know, it can't if we really want to change the culture of the profession, it can't just be top-down or bottom up. I think it really needs to be both. And that's the work that I'm excited to be doing through JC coaching and consulting.
0: That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Jordana. It was a pleasure. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did as well. I will be. Linking up to your LinkedIn profile, your um, coaching website. And I know you sent me a, a couple other links. all that all those materials will be in the show notes of today's episode. So I encourage you all listening to check out um, those links and and learn more about Jordana and her services. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jay. And just about the links I sent my values discovery guide and the self-compassion guide. And so that's for anyone who is listening to this talk about values or self-compassion. They're like, well, that sounds great. How do I do it? Those guides are to help you get started. And thank you again, Jay. It was so much fun chatting with you today.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining me. And thank you to our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.